you're going to have to choose whether you're going to be the hero or the victim in this story. And I'll just leave it at that. You can't be both. Hello, everybody. It's John here at Shop Talk, the podcast. We are so excited that you decided to join us today. And I just want to say thank you for all of you who have written us a wicked good five-star review. Thanks. It's been awesome. We've got like 60 of them already, and that's amazing. It helps other people find our podcast, and that's our intent, to spread as much information as possible. So thank you. We appreciate it. And um, boom. Bang. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast, brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleiman, as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. Cup of Coffee, John Palmieri. And, um, man, I'm excited about this morning. Well, first of all, we've been talking for like a half hour. I think so we've far. already done a podcast with Jay before we even got online. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is great. And, um, you know, I don't know if being more prepared helps me more or being unprepared. I, I can't tell, but, uh, but we, I mean, there's just so much here to cover, so... Um, our guest this morning is Jay Williams. Uh, you've had we've had Jay on multiple, I feel like multiple times, or at least we've you know leaked your content multiple times. Just because every time we get to have a conversation with you, it's it it really is extraordinary, and it can go in so many different directions with your background. Mm-hmm. Um, so up front, I want to say it's jwilliamsco.com, and you're at jwilliamsco on Instagram. Um, and you've been out there um, helping businesses grow both inside of the salon industry and outside of the salon industry for many years. Um, that said, I, I just you know I continue to try to shy away from this, but repeat it. You know we're we're kind of we're we're about ninety days into this COVID nineteen thing, and you've been doing something extraordinary for about those past ninety days. Um, you you know have were booked all around the country. Obviously, those events have canceled, you know, being the end of 2020, and you publicly stated openly that, you know, the, the, a, a strong period of time you would be doing pro bono work, and you've been out there for about the past, you know, 60, 90 days um, on multiple podcast channels, you know, talking to salon owners, talking to business people, helping them to grow. So I just think that's a really honorable thing uh, that you're doing. And it sounds like it's been a lot of fun. So first of all, welcome, Jay. Thank you. It's good to be here. Feels like Saturday Night Live or Johnny Carson, you know, when you're shooting <laughs> that record. Uh, yeah, some of my second time. But yes, I'm looking forward to it. You guys yeah, are you. You're great question askers. You know, one of the things I want to touch base on is not only have you been doing a lot of um, uh, online work during this COVID-19 shutdown, but you've also written a book. Um, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, I'm going to try to be modest and not be a seamless <laughs> plug. So there is a book out there that has my name on it that's called Leave Your Mark. And it's the thinking skills and behaviors of leaders. And, and really what that was, was, uh, you know, my feeling that I, I believe that everyone, because, it, you know, it, it started with me, wants something to show for their time spent and whether it's in a business or it's in a relationship or it's on this planet and that's where leave the mark the title came from and then the book is really to walk you through on how you do that and how you connect with humanity and how you connect with people and so that book uh is what i believe you're referencing Um, I'm, I'm excited now because I'm completing, I'm days away. We're looking at June 1st as the launch date for this, uh, my second book, which is called This Versus That. Mm-hmm. And it's better thinking, better choices, better leader. And it's really designed, it's 25 chapters of commitment versus compliance, what versus who, but these choices that we make as leaders. And so the goal was to make it clear, concise, and compelling. So the book is written, and I'm working with an editor, and I said, these are the filters. And so the goal is to communicate this messaging within five minutes, that you can literally read a chapter within five minutes. And so uh, I did some research on human beings' attention span. Microsoft did a study. 
average uh, human being, their, 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 uh, their attention span, eight seconds. Wow. Goldfish, nine seconds. <laughs> That's awesome. Goldfish don't read or else I would have written a book for them, but they, right. they don't. Well, you know, getting back to, you know, some of the material you, you, you've written and are writing at the moment, one of the things that we kind of talked about and that you reference is this thing called um, the social comparison theory. So we're going to get real heady right off, the, right off the get-go, if that's okay. So let's start off with, when we're talking about social comparison theory, just what is that, Jay, when you talk about that? I don't know. Can you ask me an easier question? <laughs> 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 Now let's jump in deep into the pool. So here's what the social comparison theory is. So for those of you who've been exposed to psychology, either through uh, coursework or reading a book or, or going to therapy, or you have a friend who goes to therapy, and by friend, I mean you, but. <laughs> or you're a hairdresser that works behind a chair and you are constantly <laughs> having therapy sessions with clients. Exactly, yeah. yes, so you can't relate to it. Yeah, so you may have heard the social comparison theory, but he here's the basic concept is that human beings, when they don't know how to react in a situation, they look for the highest ranking individual. And so you guys can probably relate to this example. Have you ever been flying and there's some turbulence? So I think I've captured most of the audience. Sure. And then you hear this. Hi, this is your flight attendant. We'll be experiencing a little bit of turbulence. If you'll put your train in upright position, we'll resume the movie and the drink service momentarily. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That sound familiar to you guys? Right. It's yeah. an example of the social comparison theory. You are 30,000 feet in the air and in and, 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 and this metal container that's maybe 10 tons, I don't know. And you should be nervous, right? You should be- Lot, Lots of tons. Mm -hmm. Yes, lots of tons. And yet, based on the social comparison theory, somebody can get on an intercom and tell you there's nothing to worry about. About, uh, it was about 30 months ago, I was flying and got this message. Hi, we're gonna be practicing the crash position. We're gonna ask that you put your head between your legs. Okay, so now it's an amplified scenario. And so I just coincidentally happened to be sitting across from where the flight attendant was sitting in the jump seat. And I was nervous. I, I will share with you, there's a lot of things that flashed in my head. I looked over at her and just kind of mouth, is it going to be okay? And she nodded her head knowingly. And she said, yeah, we just need to do this. And I was okay. Yeah. And I shared that with you because in what's going on, regardless of the industry that you are in, what I'm finding with people is that the number one emotion is fear. A lot of that fear centers around a lack of control, right? Don't know when we're going to reopen, what the criteria is going to be, how our clients are going to respond. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Yeah. But when you break it down a little bit, it really has to do with the lack of predictability. So if you're listening and you say, okay, if that, that's what I'm tasked with, then how do I navigate through that? Is to identify what you can control and what can be predictable. And one of the most unpredictable things to you is how people are going to respond. This social comparison theory, realizing that you can heavily influence how people show up and respond to you, should give you great peace and comfort in knowing that if I smile, if I'm energized, if I'm optimistic, right. there's a heightened chance my people respond that way. Not everybody right. will heavily weight the outcome in your favor. Social okay. comparison theory. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've been lucky at, at our company with the, our owner, his, the guy we work for, his name is Brian Perdue. One of the things that, you know, he did or has been doing so well is he gets on, you know, Zoom, not, excuse me, not Zoom, on Facebook, Facebook Live, Live and, you know, does a nightly call. And it's always <laughs> optimistic. There's always a smile on his face. He tells us that he loves us, you know, but it's about giving information. It's about sharing what's going on. You know, it's interesting because I would sit, they were usually at nine o'clock at night. And so I'm at home and one of my favorite places to sit, and I don't know why, to watch, um, you know, videos on my phone is on the stairs that lead to the upstairs. I don't know why it's in the middle of the house. I just like that, that vantage point. But my wife would come over and sit down next to me. She doesn't work for this company. She's not a hairdresser. And yet she found comfort in being able to listen to the owner of our company talk about how things were going to be and everything was okay. And, you know, it gets back to that, to that comparison theory, 
we like having that person out there who's like, you know what? It's going to be okay. You know, here's where we're at. And it doesn't make any difference whether or not they work for us or not. So I love how that connects to us going through this whole process as a, as a company of 200 people, right? It's, it's such an interesting dynamic. And I love your analogy because, you know, everybody can relate to being on an airplane, or at least most people can. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's the captain. Actually, you know, I, I, I'm always waiting for the captain to come on. Um, I want to hear the tone in their voice. You know, as you as you said, it says so much, and I'm just as I'm digesting this, it is amazing how you could have the same scenario and have two different leaders reacting two different ways, and you're going to get a much different outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, and it speaks to is the person inside possibly feeling either the same fear or if not feeling the same fear, still seeing the reality that this could end up to not be a great outcome, mm-hmm. right? So our business could actually close. You know, we we don't know, um, but, but we're going to approach it by doing everything we can with a smile on our face and we're going to control our controllables. You know, we're going to control the things we can control. Mm-hmm. And Jay, what do we do with the things we can't control? You know, at, at the surface, it seems like a basic question, right? Yet it's such a complex question because a majority of us, again, control and predictability. So one is to identify what you can control. And we alluded to that earlier. The things that you can't control is, you know, you, you, you what's the old uh, saying, God grant me the courage or the wisdom Right. I can't accept things I can't. And at some level, you have to interrogate reality. And then if I can't control when we're going to open, then shift your thinking to what can I control about that? So is it how I prepare for this opening? Is it how I show up emotionally? But what are the things that I can't control? What's interesting about the brain is that if you understand this, it'll help you in in just about every situation is that if you realize this, when you ask your brain a question, it cannot help but answer it. So if I asked you guys how long you've been doing the podcast, how long you've been in this industry, if you're married, where you're from, as I'm asking those questions, your brain is instantly answering these. Now, the exception would be if you're you were uniquely uh, trained or qualified. Like think about the FBI or Navy SEALs, right? But majority of the population. So for the things I can't control, I do look at them and understand, is that truly the case? Because there may be, uh, for lack of better terms, a misperception in your brain Mm -hmm. about what you can control. And so where we can't, and and today I want to preface this call with, is that my gift won't be knowledge. You guys can Google anything I'm going to say. If anything, it's new and different and deeper thinking. So that's the first thought. And the second is, is that people are going through something that at least in our generation, we may not have experienced collectively. And that's where we're struggling with financial decisions, health decisions, and freedom decisions. Right. And to get the health, you may have to give up some of that freedom to get the financial. You may have to give up some of that freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to say that this is unprecedented times. It's a highly emotional time. Mm -hmm. And so as we go through today, I don't want to negate any of that. I just want to share with you. I can't make you immune from what happens Mm -hmm. as much as give you a framework or mechanism to navigate through and with the control, identify what you can control and what you can't. And can you truly not control that? Mm-hmm. And so that's the way I would handle it and identify those things that you can't, but spend at least, at least equal amount of time identifying what you can control and what you're gonna find more often than not is there's a lot more in your control than out of your control. How well did I answer that question? Because it's a great question and we could probably spend a series on that one. Well, I think you answered it really well. If I'm gonna dig a little deeper, right? I think one of the things that comes up on what we control and can't control is our emotions, right? Because a lot of, when you 
prefaced, hey, when I ask you this question, when I ask you that question, you are, your brain's already formulating an answer. With that also comes emotions, right? Um, this this is kind of silly, um, but it wasn't silly to my wife. My, my wife, we went out the other day driving around and there was this giant, huge um, magnolia tree. Giant. I mean, the thing was just huge. I can't I can't tell you how big it was, except to tell you it was wicked big. And my wife wanted to go see it because she has memories of um, magnolia trees in her front yard when she was a kid. And I knew the story, but it became all that more powerful at that moment. My wife started to tear up and I asked her, I said, you know, baby, what's going on? And she told me that one of the reasons she loves magnolia trees so much is when she was a kid, her father was abusive. Um, and she had two brothers and sisters. And when her father was on one of his, you know, emotional moments, they would hide under that magnolia tree so that he couldn't be, they couldn't be found. So for her to be there in that proximity to that tree, and we walked physically under it, brought such an emotion on her that, you know, it, it brought her back to that moment in time, right, when she was a child. I think we all have those kind of pieces. We all have those emotional triggers. And we, at that moment in time, become unable to act, right? We become unable to make that next step. We sometimes become unable to intellectualize what we need to do next. And I don't want to take anything away from the value of that magnolia tree experience. Yet I would say for many people going through this COVID-19 thing, right? There's so much emotion wrapped around it, whether it's our own emotion, whether it's the emotion of the people that we service as guests, whether it's those people in our lives, whether it's the politicians and our leaders on, on television, you know, who are, ex, who are expending their emotions. Man, it's got to be hard to navigate through this. How? Well, and inside of that, you know, you talked about actions, yeah. you know, some people go into the fright and and don't do anything and others react or maybe even overreact so how do right. you how do you navigate your reactions versus your responses right uh when you're caught off guard by something we haven't none of us have done this before and the interesting thing is if you wait 10 minutes you'll get a different emotional response from somebody else right and so just when you think you've got a handle on this emotion somebody throws another one at you that's got to be hard to navigate it is, you know, as you guys are saying it, Chris, I'm gonna ask you to hold on to that, the question about reacting versus responding. Just for the purpose of our conversation, I, I wanna give you a little bit of science behind what's going on. And, you know, John, you gave an example of emotions, which really was a positive example, you know, mm -hmm. because it, it, it brought some peace and some calm and, Emotions can serve us well. So as you guys are experiencing emotions, there's a tendency to say, oh, you're being emotional, as though it's right. a bad thing. And our emotions historically have served us well. One of the first emotions that the emotional, the emotional brain experienced was fear. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it saw that saber-toothed tiger and it saw that saber-toothed tiger eat its friend. And it went back to the village and said, hey, guys, if you see a large cat with large teeth, you're going to want to avoid it. And so that, that's our survivability has come from having emotions like that. And so the emotional brain has not evolved over time. It functions almost identically, identically, identically. Help me out, guys. Identical. You're doing great. Identical. You're doing great. I just want to see how many different ways that's you right. say it. <laughs> Man, you speak a lot of languages. I didn't know Jay spoke four languages. Yeah. Yes, um, it's a new word I came up with. So I share that with you because the rational brain has evolved over time. And so what you're talking about um, uh, is that, you know, what happens when the, the emotional brain hijacks the rational brain? Mm -hmm. And so I want to share it with you guys so that you guys can at least identify maybe when this is happening. What's interesting about the emotional brain is it doesn't differentiate in how it responds to real and perceived danger. And so a lot of the decisions that we're making and what we're experiencing today, the emotional brain is responding to everything as though it's life or death, mm -hmm. when in reality, it's not life or death. Now, I just wanna enter in this caveat to our conversation. In my career, I could always bring context to a conversation by asking, hey, is this a life or death situation? And in the work I do, this would differ by profession, 
99.9% of the time it wasn't alive or death. And it gave some context. That's not the case anymore. And so I would share with anybody who's out there, if you experience somebody in a heightened emotional state, that you understand it's the emotional brain. It doesn't differentiate between real perceived danger and it's self-preservation and it wants to save you. That's why it's heightened because now people are worried about catching a virus that potentially has an outcome that would lead to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so if you, studies have shown, science has proven, if you can identify an emotion, anxiety, apprehension, anger, whatever it may be, you're 80% more likely to do something about it. So if you're listening, put a word to your emotion. And mm -hmm. what happens with the body, it actually releases a chemical called serotonin that relaxes the body. So as we talk, I want you guys not only to hear the theory, but the applicability is how you navigate either for yourself or someone else for yourself. And listen, I, I've been guilty of this. Someone asked me uh, two, week, two weeks and two days ago to speak. Now, everybody canceled everything, which you guys are so generous to share that information. And for the rest of the year, thank you. <laughs> well, it happened to everybody, Jay, just so you know, this is a collective experience. Yeah. Here's how I describe it. I have some newfound flexibility in myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I describe it. So um, the person reaches out and says, hey, we want to book you in June. Emotional brain kicks in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, sure, let's uh, put it on the calendar. We can schedule a call and talk about it. I go to my wife. I go, oh, my God, someone just booked me. Do they expect me to go to an airport and to get on a plane, then rent a car that someone else has driven, then I'm going to stay in a hotel that someone else has stayed in, then I'm going to walk into the business? Are they going to wear a mask? Am I going to wear a mask? Are they going to take pictures with me? Are they going to want to? You can see where your emotional brain. Mm -hmm. I had to go, first of all, is this a decision I need to make today? And as soon as I asked my brain that, it answered, it's not. And I say, well, how much time do I have? And basically, I have an unlimited amount of time because things are changing. So I just want to share with you how quickly you can do that. To segue to what you said, Chris, about reacting and responding is, listen, for everyone who's listening, each one of these things could be a full day workshop. The goal today is to introduce you to the concept and create right. some curiosity, is that when you react, there is no lapse in time. And it's what you say. So as an example, in that situation, if I told them, I said, you know what, June, June's too soon. We haven't even got the stay at home lifted. That's a reaction. No, no, no gap in time. And it's what I say. When you respond, there's a pause. And it's followed by a question. So what I did is I did pause. And I said, well, how soon can we get on the phone and talk through what you're thinking? React versus respond. Mm -hmm. And that is within our control, whether we act or we respond. And so I think when you alluded to uh, the leadership with what um, the example that you gave about getting on the call is that he was one social comparison theory. There's a smile, there's a tonality that was right. there that gave you peace and calm. And then the other thing is, and, and I don't, uh, know him like you guys know him, but he did something very interesting. You said he calls every night. A, a great book, a great, great book. I hesitate to recommend books. This one, I think 99.9% .9 of the audience will love. It's written by Chris Voss. He's a hostage negotiator. It's called Never Split the Difference. And so his, um, he was the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI, and he brought emotional intelligence to the hostage negotiation process. He shares in, in his book that one of the things that he did was to establish timelines, not only for the kidnappers, but the people that had someone kidnapped from them, where he would say, I will follow up with you at three o'clock every day, or no longer than 48 hours will go by before we communicate. And what was important about that is human beings now knew I only have to go from here to here. Mm -hmm. And contextually, it allows them to prepare and gives them a peace and a safety versus an indefinite period of time. So he shared the story when he's in the military, they used to tell him, we're going to go out for a run. He goes, that was the worst thing. Are we going out for five minutes? Do I sprint? No idea how far you're going. Do I go for an hour? Yes. And so the brilliance of what you referenced with Brian 
is that he they only know I have to get from seven o'clock in the evening today till tomorrow before I will hear a voice, before I will get some sort of update, even if the updates, there's no update. And so some of these things talk about the social comparison theory where you model the behavior. They may begin to communicate with that frequency, whether they have information or not. You mm -hmm. talked about his voice being soothing. And it's interesting, Chris Voss in his book alludes to the fact that you need to adopt a late night FM DJ voice. Right. And that's exactly what it was with Mr. Purdue, the guy that runs our company. It was that voice. Now, here's the interesting thing. I, I don't think that was purposeful. He just has, he does have that's, that voice. That's just his voice, but how it showed up was amazing. Well, right? but his, his intent, he definitely had the intention to bring some clarity, bring some calm. Right. Um, and even when it was a tough day, he would say, it was a tough day today. Yeah. You know, it's another thing that uh, Chris Voss spoke about, which was so fascinating to me, that it's imperative to acknowledge someone's feelings. And during this time, we have a tendency, well, it's not that bad, it'll be okay. That's not what people are looking for. And so Chris right. just gave an example of it. You may not validate it. Validate it means this is the worst time and you go, yeah, this is really the worst time. You may not feel that way. I've spoken to people, they go, Jay, based on the country I came from, this is not the worst I've experienced. I've had people go, you know, I had a loss in my family that left me in bed for a year. This is not the worst. So validation is where maybe you have to state something to be true. You may not need believe to be true. That's not what I'm talking about. But what you talked about, Chris, is that, hey, this, it seems like you're going through a lot. So great leaders have the ability to do that. What I would share with you, as you mentioned with Brian, is one, his intention is it's imperative as a leader that you have that clarity before. Mm -hmm. Now, some people have natural attributes. I do not believe leaders are born. So if you ask another conversation, sure. But for those of you who go, well, that's great news because I don't think I was born as a leader. I believe that there are skill sets that attribute something you're learned with, skill sets something you can learn. So the tonality of your voice you can learn, the pacing you can learn, this giving people timelines, short periods that they need to operate in, acknowledging an emotion without validating it. So if you're listening, these are all skills that you can learn. It's great that you say that because, and I feel like, you know, I'm kind of looking at some of the topics we wanted to discuss. Um, I feel like, you know, fear, responsing versus reacting, um, all of these things I'm going to have to, if I'm a salon owner or a hairstylist or, a, a, you know, independently employed stylist, I'm going to have to put some of this into action at some point. Um, I know a big topic that's happened in the salon world has been when we go back you know, of course, there's these protocols and there's all this stuff. I think there's a lot of information around that. Um, one topic that continues to come up, and it sounds like it has for you, is this idea around pricing, um, you know, and sales in the salon and how that, you know, whether it be retail or other services. Um, are there some shifts that you see happening there? Are there some, you know, reactions that maybe you're talking people off the ledge on or some advice that you're out there giving or some, you know, at least some ideology? My intent was to talk them off the ledge. Some people have jumped. So that wasn't my intent. I should talk to Brian. So it, with your permission, I'll divide them up. So okay. two questions I heard. One is what about pricing? And the second is, is now the time to retail? So if you'll hold on to those and hold me accountable to answer to both, let me talk about the pricing. And what I want to share with you guys is it's not a behavior or scripting. I just want to share a thinking with you how I would go about it as a leader. Mm -hmm. And so when I work with groups, and listen, you talk about salons, you know what's interesting is that doctor's offices are, it's, a, it's, it's an almost identical, identical. Right. So for those of you who are listening, I think there's universal applicability regardless of what industry you fall into. 100%. So let's talk about pricing. Let's talk about what that conversation could look like. So when I work with in groups now, and again, my interaction over the last 30 days has really been via Zoom with these groups, is I ask them, as, so let's talk about pricing. I ask them, do you think that you're going to see less, the same, or more people? 
So I just pause there. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone would answer the same way in that I, I think that we're going to see less people, which makes sense, right? Based right. on the spacing and the timing. Then I ask them, do you think that less, the same, or more people are going to want to get in to see you? And I think you guys, as you're nodding your heads, would say, it's going to be more people. Now, I do ask them what makes you say that. And they said, well, one, people are going to try to get in their salon or their stylist, and they're too booked, right? Yeah. And then the second thing is that there's going to be stylists who exit the industry. I heard this statistic the other day, and uh, it's hard not to get emotional hearing it. 2008, 2009, approximately 20% of the salons went out. They believe that number is going to be much closer to 50%. So if anyone's listening or knows someone, I just want to separate my conversation that I, I do feel bad for those people. Mm -hmm. The other group who's going to be in business is going to now have a new client base they didn't have before. So they're going to have their existing plus more. And so I just want to begin to shift your thinking. You're saying, well, how's this tie into pricing is because at this point we would agree there's going to be a lot more people that want our service than we can deliver it to. And so, you know, they call it economics 101. It's not to insult anyone. It's just one of the things that you would cover in that course. Mm -hmm. It's called supply and demand. Right. And what happens is when the demand is high and the supply is low, the price goes up. So if those of you are listening now, you've heard what's going to happen with our beef and our pork supply. This is what they said on the news. So this is for everybody to consume is that there is going to be a shortage when you go to the store, yet there's going to be the same demand. So you can expect a price increase. Right. So I just want to share that with you to shift your thinking. Now, one of the other things that comes up during this time as it relates to price is what about the cost I incur with COVID? Mm -hmm. And so I want to model this behavior for you guys so that you can replicate it. It's not what you say, it's what you ask. And it's imperative, effective leaders now gain buy-in and commitment through asking questions and helping people come to their own conclusions. Right. So I want you to, to, to take in how I'm doing this, is that I would ask them, do you believe that there are increased costs associated and what are they with COVID? And listen, the, the, in our end, let's just say stylus as an example, but it's applicable across the board because you need commitment, not compliance from your people on this movement and your price. Mm -hmm. And they will say, hey, there's going to be gloves, there's going to be masks, there's going to be thermometers, there's going to be disposable pens. I said, well, what do you think that cost is? And I asked them, I said, do you think it's dollar, $2, $3? Most people believe it's going to be between three and four dollars a person. So I said, you know, say you just see a thousand people in your in your small business a month, you would agree it's going to be I don't know, say it's three thousand dollars. So everybody's on the same page there. I said, do you believe your client should pay it? Now listen to this. They say no. 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 I said, say no. Do, you, do you think that you should pay it? And what do you think the stylists say? No. No. I said, so you don't think the client should pay it? And this is their response to me. It's not their fault. Mm -hmm. I said, well, whose fault is it? But, you know, that opens up a conversation. It's never anyone who's on the call. So they don't think it's the client's fault. They don't think it's their fault. And they don't think it's the owner's fault. I want to kind of circle back to that if I could. You know, one of the things that Chris and I are is, you know, we're really tuned into you know, all the Facebook forums, all the group chats, you know, we're, we're a member of 27,000 different, you know, groups in our industry. One of the things, to, to your point, one of the things I hear is when we bring up the idea of raising prices, it's not just that people say no, they say hell no. They're like, I'm going to, this is my word, they're almost angry about it. You know, they're like, why would we do that? That's so wrong. You're being greedy. I mean, the venom is just off the charts. You're hitting upon, as a leader, where if you want to shift performance, it's not the behavior. We just tell them we're going to raise prices. Right. It's getting down to their emotions, which you talked about, and their thinking. The thinking is that it's wrong. As a leader, what I'm trying to do is to shift their thinking about it. Right. And what I'm doing right now is all of a sudden, I'm shifting their thinking. There is going to be a price increase. 
it's wrong for my owner because I'll ask them, how right do you think that is on a scale one to 10 that your owner would pay that? There's not a single person who said they should. I asked them this question, what do you think the fair thing is to do? Remember with questions that you can heavily influence the direction of the conversation by asking a question. I wanna talk about what's fair. So what I did is I asked them, what do you think is fair? And it's interesting, they go, you know what? Uh, some people have said, well, that the owner would absorb it. I said, okay. I said, let me ask you this question. Do you think that you're gonna make less, the same, or more money when we open up? They paused for a second. It's interesting, most people haven't even given that any thought. Mm -hmm. I said, you told me you're gonna see less clients, so if you just do the math that way, they go, yeah, we're gonna make less. I said, okay, there's a direct correlation. Would you agree between what your owner makes and you make? So if you make less, they make less. They're right. like, yeah. I said, okay, now take that $3,000 off their profit. I said, I don't know the, 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 your P&L statement, but in most cases, you'd have to do $8,000 in services to get $3,000 profit. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna do less in revenue and make less in profit. You told me you wanna be there for your clients. They wanna know you're gonna be there for them. You're not under this model. So right. now let me ask you, how fair do you think it is for that client who's made a choice to come to you to absorb some of that? And here's their response. I think it's where you guys are going. They're mad because they go, well, times are tough. I said, oh, I said, can I shift your thinking by sharing some stories? So I have a friend, they came over social distancing last Sunday. He works for a company called McKesson. They supply products for FEMA. They gave every employee $1,000. They gave every employee $450 in their 401k. They gave every employee two weeks. His wife, school teacher, still teaching. His daughter, a nurse, still working. His son works for Freddie Mac, still working. His other son works for LaGuardia, still working. That's one story. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have been married 30 years in June. Congratulations. Our, well, to me, condolences to her, but thank you. I'm very happy. About it. Not sure how she feels, but thank you. <laughs> Our credit card bill was the lowest it's been in 30 years. We're not spending money. Yeah, I'm not traveling and not going. Yeah, so um, let me, I just want to shift your thinking. Different story. The government, through the generosity of the system, and I'm not evaluating it, I'm just saying it is very generous. If you're in Arizona, I think you get $226 max, New Mexico, maybe $700. That's not the point. The point is just add $600 to both those figures. Mm -hmm. So there are individuals that are getting $1,000 a week or $4,000 a month, $48,000, right? Yeah. A year, or they're earning at that rate. And then if they have a spouse, they could be doing that. So now $8,000 a month times 12 months is $96,000. I can see people's faces like, I know people just, and I didn't even mention their kids or their stimulus check. So I said, let me just stop here. What's changed in your thinking? Because before you told me the emotion around them not having money. So my assumption was if I, we address that issue, it's no longer an issue. Right. So that's where with the pricing, I want to begin to shift people's thinking. Do I believe in price gouging? Absolutely not. It doesn't matter who it is, but someone that everybody would know has connections in China. They've made their wealth through ready to wear. A month and a half ago, they went to the state of Florida and said, I could get you masks when there is a shortage and they signed a deal with them. They found out later on that person is charging three times what they paid for them. That's gouging. When you add a fee based on the virus, it's very easy to tell your clients, they said, oh, the price has gone up. Yeah, they said, I'm so excited, social comparison theory. I'm so excited. It was only $6, it's only $7 a person to create an environment that you could trust and that was safe. Mm -hmm. People are like, I don't know. I don't know that people have done that. Right. Last month, I went to redeem uh, points for the airlines. The ticket was free. I paid a fee, you know what it was for? Security fee, $81 from 19 years ago, September 9th, right. 2001. Still paying it. Yeah, it's not uncommon. But you know what, John? I also don't mind. Every time I've flown, it does not, if it does, it comes and goes. If someone's going to hijack the plane, someone's going to crash it. What's mm -hmm. most of the price is secondary 
-hmm. to the way I feel. And that's why if you're in the business now, let's just talk about the beauty industry, whoever falls into that, is that the world has changed, but the, the, the vision, the mission has not changed. It's to mm -hmm. make people feel good. Right. And the, if you do it well, the price becomes secondary. Right. So that was a long-winded answer. I think it's a process you're going to have to go through to mm -hmm. shift the thinking and the emotion so that this performance, they show up at the social comparison. Otherwise, if you dictate it to them and you get compliance, they're going to go, yeah, I can't believe it. My owner raised the prices. I didn't want to do that. Social comparison, clients are going to go, wow, that's really messed up. You know, I love the comparison you made about the pricing in regards to, you know, the value that it comes, meaning you're getting all these additional services, right? Meaning this, the safety issues. You know, one of the things we coach our new hires on is, well, you know, my clients are going to, if I raise my prices, they're going to think it's too expensive and not going to want to pay it. And this is regardless of the COVID-19. Right, thing. right, this right. right. This is just life. a pricing conversation. Right. And it's like, well, my clients are going to stop coming back. Well, my answer is, if they do, it's because it's no longer worth it. That's a different conversation, right? Um, the conversation isn't whether or not your skill set is up to up to par. That's almost secondary. It's why does your client not see the value in you changing your haircut from $25 to $30? Because here's the funny thing. They got a Louis Vuitton bag sitting in their lap for $1,500. And I'm not big, big, passing judgment on whether or not they can actually afford that bag. It may have been a gift. What I'm, what I'm suggesting is if you can find value in a $1,500 pocketbook, you can find value in a $30 or $35 haircut. What I'm suggesting is, did you stop bringing additional value? To your point, if we're going through this, this medical crisis, for lack of a better vocabulary word for it, and I'm making the environment safer through the additions of masks, through social distancing, through making sure that we got hand sanitizer up front, that we got thermometers to check your temperature when you come in, that we've got additional front desk staff to handle the overload because now we're working with texting services. If you can't see the value in that as a person working for this company and what that does for your guests, then there's a disconnect there, right? There is added value to what you're offering the customer, thus it's going to cost more. Well, and plus there's not a, in this particular case, there's not a choice in the matter of do we put, do we implement right. these? Um, and, and it's very obvious. It's not, you know, it's not um, no longer, and, uh, and supply and demand is, you know, we talk about this all the time because it's my favorite topic as it relates to pricing mm -hmm. because it's it's all there is, right? right? I mean, at the end of the day. Um, but now there's a very obvious change that happens in the environment from, you know, in our salons, there's a table out front with a weight sign. You know, we check your temperature. We come out basically in, you know, a, a space suit, um, you know, uh, and then inside the experience, they can see that the station next to them is empty on purpose with a sign that says this station is, you know, so uh, I do believe, and I was definitely one of those people at first who was calling, don't do anything yet. You know, I, and I think my, I think my point now more digesting it was don't do anything yet. We don't, we don't know. You know, kind of take take that pause. I, I hang out inside of a fellowship where pause is our first thing. When you're feeling emotional, take a breath, pause um, before anything, and then maybe ask a question. Try to understand better before you, you know, relate, which is which is what you just shared. Um, and I think we are, since we're in this long pause, mm -hmm. but now it looks very clear and obvious that, that if, you know, if you're one of those salons that reopens— um, if you're not one that, you know, if you're one that doesn't reopen, it looks like there's going to be a lot of great places for you to go and do some groovy hair. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can, you can still, you know, nobody's going to get uh, shut out of the industry. Um, and inside of the emotion, I'm just digesting the why behind the, the reaction of it is inside of our industry. I believe there's a lot of people that haven't seen because of how we like to stay off the books, not in this company, but in, you know, um, a lot of smaller salons or independent stylists, you know, I'll show this much, but not that much. Um, and so they may or may not 
have been enjoying the benefits that you just shared, you know. Um, uh, and so they're, they're, they really are looking at this life or death situation, and their assumption would be, if I'm not getting it, then my clients aren't either. Right. And, I, and I think you're, logically speaking, thinking about the people outside of our industry in my life, Correct. I think I think that you're assessing that, you know, with a clean set of eyes and it's it's a great it's a great knowing to have. We didn't we didn't talk about the sales of retail and maybe not even that, but but how that might be changing because I mean you stated whether I, I don't remember if it was in the first part of the conversation we were recording or when we were just kind of shooting the shit before we got started, um, that how quickly we changed mm-hmm. Went with the COVID shutdowns, education went straight online. It became, you know, free if mm-hmm. if we want to call it that, almost immediately. Um, I'm sure there will be other changes, and retail has been a big discussion around here. Certainly, right. um, what give us some thoughts on that? Here's what I'd say: is don't retail. So now if you're, you're a stylist, you're going, wow, I really dig this guy. I'll follow him. Just <laughs> Jay Williams. Uh, yeah. I get where you're going with this though, but, yeah. but explain because. It- Here's what I would say with you guys. And if you guys have heard me speak before is that retail, whenever I've done the research, um, I've done it extensively with thousands of stylists, uh, over 90% of the emotions are negative. So for a long time, I, I, I believe that we've missed an opportunity to rebrand that. So that's one thought. But if you'll stick with me here, let me just talk about consultations, and I think you'll see the transition, is that they've always been important. They've never been more important because Amen, you don't dude. know what's going to happen. And then, again, times have changed, but our mission hasn't changed. And our mission is to make people feel good. And so if you're doing it, and listen, your service now, you're going to have to balance your conversations, actually create an imbalance where it's not so much interesting, but it's useful. And so if you're cutting on the half hour, the 45 minute, whatever it may be, you've got to tell them no matter where we are in our conversation, I'm going to stop at five minutes before we're done. And I just want to know this, where is your comfort level in replicating the look we created for you over the next 30 to 35 days? And it's imperative, uh, you know, as you were speaking before, Chris, about what, you know, wait and see is um, I put time parameters around it. Even for myself, I'm just going 30 days at a time because things are changing so rapidly. And I don't want to put that pressure. And that's why when you ask people, can you be flexible? You mean for the rest of my life? The, the term I really doesn't resonate with me is the new normal. It just doesn't resonate with me because it puts so much pressure on every decision if this is going to be the normal and so you said that everything's permanent until it changes that's just the way it goes and so for you use these the when if you're talking to your staff now and you need them to be more flexible don't say how flexible you can be go listen over the next 30 days how flexible could you be as it relates to the days that you work and the times you work contextually it changes everything for someone right because every decision now feels like, hey, do you want to get married? When do you want to get married? Do you, do you want to have kids? How many kids? Every decision's like that. <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't no, it? No, and never. No, and now, oh, you're already married with kids. I could tell those are strong. <laughs> <laughs> so I share this in the consultation because it's imperative that I spend this time with you and I say, where's your comfort level in replicating this up? So what I want to know, and this is when you're going to get um, – uh, assertive, not aggressive, but assertive, almost like a doctor and tell them, listen, we, I know for the next 30 or 35 days, I am book solid because here's the reality. A lot of your clients through the, whatever's fair to you, they could be six months out from mm. the time they got a haircut to when you can fit them in. Right. Right. So I don't know what the reality is, is going to be for people to get people back in in four or five weeks. So tell them, listen, we're working towards that. I just want you to be prepared. So where's your comfort level as it relates to your products at home, your shampoo? Now, this is imperative that you know this, is that your shampoo needs to be sulfate-free, paraben-free, sodium chloride-free, and you have an allergy, it needs to be gluten-free as well. The sulfate so you can protect your color because you know <laughs> we don't need to have that kind. They go, oh, yes, yes, yes. And so the consultation in this assertive, not aggressive way, 
So which products do you have? Where's your comfort level in using those products? Which tools are you using? Where'd you buy your tools? What's the temperature it goes up to? This consultation is imperative. It's going to gain credibility when things come back to normal and you make recommendations. They go, well, I don't know. Do you remember when things are going on, what I did and how happy you were? So to answer your question, would I go into retailing? Knowing, no, what consultations have a heightened importance and be a non-negotiable in the experience that you deliver? Yes. Will it help with the mission of continuing to make them uh, not only look good, but feel good? Mm -hmm. Yes. I want to build on that for a, a hot minute. One of the advantages I think we have right at the moment is because we're not double booking, right? Because we can only have one client in our chair at a time, we get a little bit more time with them than we've had in the past. This is, I think, a great opportunity to rebuild that rapport you have with your guests, to rebuild that trust, to take the time to do that con consultation piece you just talked about. Because I think for, for many of us, the excuse is I don't have time right? Or I know this client well enough that I don't really need to ask them those questions. They're never going to buy anything anyways. I know what color they want. I'm going to mix their formula before they even get here. You know, so that there's that whole piece of this situation has forced us to slow down. And if we're, you know, being our best selves, it's an opportunity to rebuild that rapport with the guest in the chair that may have suffered over time. Having said that, I think it also throws us for a loop with you know the new protocols that we have in place because we are a touchy, we have a license to touch in this industry, right? So we get to shake people's hands. We give them a hug when we're done cutting their hair. That changes for, for many of us. And as hair, I'll speak specifically for this industry, as hairdressers who have that that high touch experience with our guests, that part is missing for us right now, that emotional connection. You know, what are some thoughts or some tips on how to navigate this now that I don't, I'm having a different emotional connection with my guests than the one I'm used to, or at least the one I'm good at, right? It's a great question, and here's why. Is to your point, we're one of six professions that's legal to touch someone. So we've had this natural advantage being able to hug someone, to hold their hand, to put their sweater on them, to give them a kiss. The advantage is from a physiological standpoint, when you touch someone, there's a chemical released in your body called oxytocin. So mothers would be very familiar because it's the same chemical that's released when a mother breastfeeds a child. And what studies have shown is the higher the level of oxytocin in a person, the higher the level of trust with that person that ignited the release of that. And so that's why they push for mothers to breastfeed with children. And so in our industry, we've, we've been able to do that. And it's almost unfair. People begin trusting us right away. Mm -hmm. Now, remove that from the equation. And this is a skill set that I believe that humanity is going to have to double down on. It's not their IQ or their technical skills, it's their EQ, their emotional intelligence and their non-technical skills they're gonna to need to ramp up during this period. And think about one of the, uh, just the physical things that are going on. So we went out Saturday, social distancing. It was a place, not a lot of people. You don't, you're not impressing us, dude. We're in the South. We, 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 we put the kibosh on that a long We've time ago. we three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I'm biting my tongue there. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Here's the redeeming thing. I know neither one of you are originally from there, so okay. Hey, did you Got take it. did you take off your mask to eat your salad? That's what I want to know. <laughs> um, if you guys can see this, the blood is me biting my tongue. <laughs> so while I was out, <laughs> they observe differently. Yeah, they interpret the laws differently and data differently. Yeah. This woman walks by and smiles, and I just head nod. And she turns around. She said, it is so weird to smile at someone to not see if they can smile back. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it is interesting. I want to share with you. If we're I want to say something to that because on our last, we were just talking to Gino on our last podcast and very purposefully to your point about things that are changing inside of the consultation. I did hair for the past few weeks as we got open to help with the, you know, the reopening part. And when I greet somebody in the parking lot before the thermometer check, 
on purpose while they're 20 yards away. I remove my mask. I give them a big smile. Mm -hmm. And I say, I just wanted you to see my smiling face before. And then I re and and I, and, and I, you know, they'll either say I'm smiling too, you know, and then we have a, so, you know, we have a few minutes social conversation before we walk in to build that bond and rapport. And I have to tell you, I mean, it was just instinctual. I was like, this is not right. And so while they were, and then it just became a part of, it became a new part of the deal. Mm -hmm. And it just made, because a lot of the guests I was meeting for the first time, because I was actually helping at a salon that I don't usually work at, um, one of our locations. And so anyway, I said, you know, I just wanted you to see who was under here. I'm Chris, so happy to be able to take care of you today. The mask would go back on and then we would, we would get into it. But to your point, it's, bizarre because you see these little eyes squinting mm -hmm. you know everybody's kind of trying to smile with their eyes now um yeah it's and it's important so important conversation to be had because again the vision hasn't changed is to make people feel better and that was something that heavily weighted the outcome in our favor and so what you did that's the emotional intelligence to identify and understand an emotion that hey people can't see this this is something that connects us the third part is to adjust your behavior not everyone does that and so that's why it becomes imperative as a leader to have these conversations is to um, elevate their thinking so that they can adjust their behavior because some people a lot of people are just shrugging their shoulders and right. so the, the mission is still the same too you know think about it. it's retention referral rebooking reviews relationships and so the thinking that you're having and you articulated well depending on the size of your head a mask could take up anywhere from a third to almost half and so what are the skill sets so do you become more expressive with your eyes is it your verbiage is it your tonality i'm surprised the mask have um they've grown and what the offering is there's a psychology behind it there needs to be a mass that i wouldn't put a happy face it could be a little bit weird but something that generates a positive emotion to it mm -hmm. and so i Love think those, those are fun those are fun you know maybe it's a logo maybe it's something that just makes you smile in any event this is imperative that we acknowledge because you, you can go on hope. It's just not a strategy all to itself. It's a component. Uh, at the same time, you have to interrogate reality and the facts and have a combination of this hope and a strategy. And the strategy, whether it's someone going out and greeting them or your tonality or your verbiage, or, you, or even if you tell them, hey, just know if you can't see, I'm smiling underneath. Right. Maybe that's what goes on your mask is that I'm smiling underneath. And so I think this is imperative for business as a whole because, uh, you know, I look at Chick-fil-A. So you guys are in Atlanta and they're based out of there. And to their credit, they can create instantly, really within less than 30 seconds, an emotion and a feeling. Right. They will, yeah, this is a completely different business. No, we're in the same business. We're in the people business. Right. And the better you understand people, there'd be a correlation between how well you understand that human dynamic Mm -hmm. and your success. And so the things that you alluded to, Chris, I think these are the conversations. And listen, everybody, not everybody, majority of the people in our industry are empaths. They get other people. They get their energy right. and thinking. I think in a short period of time, if we have the conversation, we're going to see some innovation around that. Oh, 100%, 100%. Man, this has just been, I mean, what an extraordinary conversation. I mean, there's just, there's so much here. I'm sure if you're listening in your car, you're probably going to want to go back and listen three or four times. Um, again, it's jwilliamsco.com, at jwilliams on Instagram. Uh, leave your mark. And what's your new book going to be called again? The new book's This Versus That. This Versus That. And when do we... when? Better choices, better leader. So if you if you hang close to Jay, you'll see that uh, on his website sometime, I'm going to guess, in the next few months. Um, John, uh, so much here, man. What, what are you walking away with? I'm walking away with the same emotions that I always have when we talk with Jay, which is, what do you mean I only got an hour? <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough time. Um, but, you know, what I, what I love, you know, there's so much... There are so many nuggets here. What I like about our conversations with Jay is it puts you in a different mindset. You, you start to think different. 
because I think all of us, and no matter what industry you're in, we, we create these realities for ourselves. This is how life is. This is how things are going to be. You know, I know what's going to happen. And what Jay does is he has this great gift of taking you out of that mindset. And it's like, well, let's look at this a little different. What if you looked at it from this angle? What if you looked at it from that angle? And when you're done looking at it, you come up with different and better answers than you might have had otherwise. And I always think that's a, a gift that Jay gives us. So thank you. Yeah, that's 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 100% uh, truth. And I, I feel the same. I mean, I just love to watch you dissect a question. Uh, you do it really differently and uniquely than than anybody I've ever actually watched dissect a question. And you mm -hmm. always leave me thinking differently. Uh, Jay, compliment. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, Jay, in the next, um, you know, you're, we, we've got everybody from cosmetology school students all the way up to salon owners and, and, and more uh, listening. Some people from outside of the industry. We've got some people that own, what is it, paint body shops? Yeah, we've had, we've had people That's come crazy. up to we us and go. some synergy in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had, we've had people go, we love your podcast. They're like, well, what do you do? I own a body shop. There was a guy who actually <laughs> yeah. did, um, what do you call it, those advertisements? on cars to yeah. stretch things and he actually uses the stuff in our podcast to motivate it, he actually created a level system within a company that puts these advertising on cars to get people to want to elevate their ability to reach high levels of production and i was like yeah so great so awesome. great yeah. so you never know who you're going to get to reach but um as we wind this conversation down you know, we love actionable items. I mean, there's so many on here, but on, you know, over the next 30 days, you know, what would be your kind of final words to help us navigate, uh, this, this permanently impermanent set of changes we've been handed. That's like, how would you solve world hunger? Sorry. That's <laughs> thinking back to Miss America pageant. I have two thoughts. One, let me say briefly and concisely, and this is, you're going to have to choose whether you're going to be the hero or the victim in this story. And I'll just leave it at that. You can't be both. And it's a decision. And it's a choice. I'm not mitigating what's going on. I'm just talking about how you respond to it. So just ask yourself, am I the hero or the victim? Am I trying to be both? It won't work out. You know, I think of Wonder Woman and Superman. You never saw them act as the victim. There's always this hero mentality that I've got this. I'm going to work through this. I'll just, I'll, I'll try harder. So that's one thought. And just use that as a filter. Am I being the hero or the victim in this story? The second thing I would share with you probably has a little, uh, I want to be careful with it, but here's what I'd say for me, for me. And this happened about two years ago, uh, is that uh, I was listening to something on the radio. I was driving upstate New York. You didn't get a lot of channels. That, the person was talking, they said, and it's no, it's never been more relevant than now, is that you got to have your thinking straight. And the thinking is, I'm here to help, not to judge. And it drives a completely different set of emotions and thinking. And so I'll leave you with this. There's a church, they've been around for about 96 years, and they had no neighbors to the left or to the right. One day a for sale sign goes up exact same day as sold signs. So when the members of the church goes down to the township, they said, oh, who are our new neighbors? They wanted to welcome them. It was a strip club. So if you guys relate to the story, it's a church and a strip club. Well, that member's thinking was, is that, you know, I'm here to judge and that's not right. It's wrong. There's anger and resentment were the emotions. The behavior was to pick it and petition. And then there's a member of the church that thought, you know what, I'm not here to judge. We're just here to help. And so she got together a group of people that would get together at midnight and for three hours they would cook. And then they, those people who were underserved or not served, they would serve at three in the morning, eggs, bacon, and pancakes. And so I asked you guys, what's the difference between pancakes and petitioning and that story is the person's thinking mm -hmm. and things are what they are. They are what they are. And a lot of us are going to experience the exact same thing. And again, I, I don't want to mitigate anyone's situation. I'm just saying that we will, but we'll wind up in dramatically different places. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would leave you, if there's one piece of advice, you're thinking, be, don't judge whether people are on or off unemployment. Don't judge how much money they have. Don't judge whether they come back to work. Don't judge their political beliefs. We could go on and on. Sure. Just go, hey, I'm just here to help. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in, and I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews you got the phone in your hand it's down by your lap i don't care where it is but it's not that far away from you five-star reviews you know you want to do it you know you love this podcast share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review an angel gets gets his wings (laughs) did you know that yeah and while that angel is getting his wings it helps us move up um you know it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message and if you're really being served by this which we hope you are um you know we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners the other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on instagram at 124.go as well as facebook we're going to get more active on our facebook page and so if you're a facebooker then uh, follow us on facebook at 124go and um if you're a grammar please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in ours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.